Pre-date. This week, we'll dig into why the politicians hate Christmas and are exacting their Scrooge-like revenge on your 50-foot tree. Plus, Smart Fair is now really, really rolling out. For real this time. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we are Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 199. I don't know where in the show to put this, so I'm just going to, off the top, tell a story of what happened to me this week. I was out on White Ave on Wednesday afternoon, and I saw someone with a camera and a microphone, you know, trolling around. And I'm like, I'm going to get on a streeter. So <laughs> they flagged me down. and like, hey, can you come talk to us? The person I was there with didn't want to do it at all. I'm like, I consent. He doesn't. And he scurried off. Yeah. They informed me on Wednesday afternoon that city council had just canceled K-Days for 2024 and to get my gut reaction as someone who prides himself on keeping up to the goings-on of city council yes i didn't think katie's was canceled i did not think that was on the table while they were debating the police budget but i engaged with the premise of the question and responded that uh, you know i'm a little bit upset i guess in that something that we've done forever is going to end but if i'm being real i haven't gone to k-days in a decade because it's kind of unchanging dull and built for the <laughs> common denominator and edmonton has exciting festivals like fringe festival and kaleido fest and even all is bright on 124th street and now mac if you can think of any way i'm about to connect this in the rest of the episode don't worry about it. There's there's no connecting tissue here. I'm not biasing the audience before we get to the rapid fire. I'm just telling a story of what people might see when this K-Days employee puts that in their sizzle reel for the executive. <laughs> but to be clear, they didn't cancel K-Days, right? They did not, um, to my knowledge. <laughs> if they did, this podcast is going to be woefully ill-prepared to educate you on the events of this week. On to the rapid fire. Ticketmaster announced Thursday afternoon that the general sale of Taylor Swift's Eras Stadium Tour will be cancelled, leaving hundreds of thousands of fans flooding StubHub for ever-escalating demand-driven resale tickets. In unrelated news, a late-night budget update was issued amending the current proposed budget and recommending an immediate 13% tax increase for, quote, emerging priorities. Edmonton Public Schools, ever the institution of learning, has asked the province to bring back mask mandates. However, this time around, they're trying a slightly different tack from the countless times they've done this exact same thing to no success whatsoever. This time, the board is alerting Daniel Smith's new UCP government that without mandatory masking, students in the district are at incredibly high risk of transmitting liberal NDP propaganda. An Edmonton couple that has spent 20 years renovating their 60s-era bungalow into a net-zero home has now called the project complete. City manager Andre Corbold this week has announced mission accomplished after hearing about the couple and decided to remove the final 34 cents the city had proposed for climate change funding in the next four-year budget, saying, quote, clearly we've already done enough. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported by, for example, Connect First Credit Union. Here's a clip. Do you ever feel like just a number, a digit, a denominator, a decimal? Another cog in the big bank machine, waiting on hold, online, never on time, and always on your dime. Like your worth is only calculated by your net worth. In a world full of numbers, it's nice to know there's a place where you're not one. Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. 
This week, towards the middle of the week, the uh, internet, Twitter, Instagram, they were all abuzz with news that, and I'm sorry to our next guest how I'm going to phrase this, that the 50-foot tree would not be lit up in Churchill Square this Christmas, ostensibly because some Scrooges were having a vendetta against Christmas. <laughs> We've got joining us on the podcast, the executive director of the Downtown Business Association and friend of the podcast, Panita McBrien. Uh, she's here to lend some context into what's actually happening downtown. And then we can get into if it is actually the Scrooge exacting his Christmas-like revenge. Welcome, Panita. <laughs> Thank you. If you don't mind, What's going on here? The tree is not going to be in Churchill Square, but why is that happening? What are the changes that are going to be occurring downtown for the light up this Christmas? Yeah, so there is not going to be a, you know, 50 to 70 foot tree going up in Churchill Square this year. That tree, as many, many Edmontonians have told me this week and have told us in the past, most people assumed was put up by the city because it's on Churchill Square. It's you know, city property. It's a tree for everyone. It's in front of City Hall. But in fact, it has been put up by the Downtown Business Association for many years. Um, 1999, I believe, is the first year that it was featured as uh, the centerpiece of our of our downtown light up event for the holidays. Uh, it's got it got bigger over the years. I think the first tree was only about 40 feet tall, and then at some point in the last five years, I think we hit 70 something feet. So it got it got a little bit obnoxious. Personally, uh, have always been a big fan of the tree. I love. I think it's just lovely. However, during COVID, especially, you know, it's a ton of work to get this thing pulled off. It's also a lot of dollars. Some of it out of our operating budget. A lot of it from sponsors. But regardless of whether it's coming from us or from sponsors, like those are dollars that we're, you know, putting into this particular project instead of into other places. The tree itself is donated as well. And that kept happening during COVID. But nobody was coming to see the tree, really. And it was quite sad. And, and that, you know, combined with just all of the difficulties that we were facing, that our businesses are facing downtown over the last few years, we've had a lot of conversations, especially coming out of last year. We did do Holiday Light Up on the square last year. We did three Saturdays of programming. I think we had somewhere between 10 to 20,000 people come in total over the course of the three days. Outside of those days, though, again, not a lot of traffic going to the tree um, unless we're programming it and activating it and drawing people down. It's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been, it was a tough conversation uh, over the course of the last year. We talked to our board several times. Our board, of course, is made up of business executives and business owners in the downtown. And we started talking to the city about it as well. So we first briefed the city on our, our thinking, I think in like April or May of this year, officially made the decision that it just didn't make good business sense for us to be the ones taking this on anymore. I think in May, we officially made that decision, communicated that to, to all of our partners at the city and at Epcor and Miller Western, everyone involved and said to the city, you know, people are probably not going to be super happy about this. So we'll, we'll leave this with you. Here's who donates the tree. Epcor usually lights it. Let us know if you're going to proceed and, and put up a tree on the square. And they, of course, as we all know, as of this week, are also not going to be putting up the tree in the square. So you decided that you didn't want to do not just the tree, but really activate 
Churchill Square, right? The the board and the and and your your team and you decided this is not really what the DBA should be doing. But clearly, along the way, you decided that it's still important to do a holiday light up event of some kind. So tell us about that. Like, why is that still something that you wanted to do? Oh, absolutely. And that was never a question. So a holiday light up as an event, as a, a way to kick off the holiday season, uh, as a way to invite people downtown. Uh, to shop and dine and celebrate and just hang out and and go to a free event. The event has always been free and it still is. That's always been our goal. And so that never changed. The question was really just, yeah, you, exactly like you said, Mac, like Churchill Square for our mandate to support the downtown local economy and draw people in to do things and spend time downtown. And yes, spend money downtown. It just doesn't make sense to draw people to Churchill Square. Like we know what the average visitor pattern is for Churchill Square in the winter. Like people park underground, they come up Mm -hmm. for the event and then they get in their cars and they leave. And it just, it really, when we asked ourselves, what is Holiday Light Up for? It just really didn't feel like it was fulfilling our mandate anymore. So yes, we're still doing the event. We're so excited about it. It's actually going to be bigger than ever because we're putting all of our effort into the programming because we're not worrying about putting up a big tree. It's going to be over on Rice Howard Way. Uh, we're shutting down part of Rice Howard Way to vehicles. So it'll be open just to pedestrians and the event and the installations. The mall, Edmonton City Centre is going to be doing a whole bunch of fun things. Enbridge Centre is going to be doing a whole bunch of things so that people can kind of warm up if, in case we do have some really cold weather. Um, but all the biggest installations uh, of light and art are going to be outside free maple taffy, free hot drinks, music, all the things that people love. There will be trees, several of them, inside and outside. And uh, we think it's going to be a ton of fun. And that's on December 3rd. I just want to ask you a couple of questions about this. So in your explanation there, you did indicate that you foresaw that the lack of a tree would be a concern. Why not address that head on. When I saw the announcement about the holiday light up, that was my first question too. Like, okay, that's cool. It's moving to Rice Hard Way. Like, what does this mean for the tree? And I think that's what lots of Edmontonians associate with that event and is probably why we saw people in the media think about the tree. I mean, that's certainly the point of view that I came at it from. It's like, what are most people going to want to know about here? Yeah, there's this event happening, but also like it's different than the last 20 years. So why is that? So was that intentional to not talk about the tree? Is that like you just felt like that was the city? Like, how did you approach that? It was not ideal. That's that's the wording I'm going to choose for this. We approached the city a few times leading up to our planned release date, like media release date for mm-hmm. Holiday Light Up, asking them to do a joint announcement because the you know Churchill Square is the city's square and they are taking on programming the square without a tree we thought like you said Mac it would make a lot more sense to be totally clear right off the bat about what's happening what's not happening here's all the stuff you can do here's what Christmas is going to look like downtown across these two locations but about a week before the date which was this Tuesday the 15th the city got back to us and just felt that they didn't want to overshadow our announcement with with their announcement and thought it would be better if we just do our holiday light up announcement and then they would follow that up with the Churchill Square announcement later. Obviously, in hindsight, I would go back and say, no, 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 please join mm-hmm. us. We need to do this together. This is not going to make any sense to anyone. But at the time, I think, yeah, we really underestimated what this was going to turn into. Yeah, it sounds like you're frustrated with the city. Is that fair to say? Uh, I'm not. No, I don't think that's fair to say. I'm not frustrated with the city. 
Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm frustrated with the city. I'm frustrated at the situation. Like it's, you know, we're we're doing so much and and Christmas downtown is pure magic no matter what. Like there's lights everywhere. We have string lights on all of the trees. Like all the pedways have twinkly lights. Like there's so much Christmas magic downtown. Like just the tree alone I know is symbolic to a lot of people, but yeah. It's yeah, I'm frustrated at the situation as a whole and the communication around it has really not been ideal and that's that's our fault and yes, it's the city's fault too. Like we just we really didn't coordinate this very well. And the 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 reality of it is though, I think regardless of how we had coordinated the the communication and how however much clarity we we provided right off the bat, I think people were going to be really, really mad, no matter what, like the calls we're getting, the calls the mayor's office is getting. It's just people who are mad about no tree. Sure. So it, it is what it is. Yeah. So I'm going to propose my take here and you can tell me how much this aligns with the reality at the DBA. I think there is an alternate universe where this same announcement done similarly has a completely different result and maybe with just a slightly different framing. But for me personally, I live on the best side of the river, which is south. Um, and I do visit a uh, downtown light-up festival, but usually it's the one that happens tomorrow on Saturday, all is bright on 124th. And from my perspective, it's always kind of the better light-up festival because you have this like human scale, the streets close, there's lights that you can interact with, there's businesses lining the street that you can stop in for for a quick drink or to sit down and warm up versus Churchill Square where it's this sort of concrete desolate wasteland and there's this beautiful tree that's very high, but it doesn't feel as vibrant and as nightlife in the winter. Were you going for sort of like emulating that experience of all is bright um, with some of these changes and moving to Rice Howard Way? Yeah, you totally nailed it, Troy. Like for business districts all over North America, like it's a standard thing to do a holiday kickoff, a holiday light up type thing. Like we all do this version. Obviously, there's the winter white light up, 124th Street all is bright and other cities. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's usually a true magical Main Street experience where you can stroll and exactly like you described. And so a hundred percent, that's it. I probably did a terrible job phrasing that <laughs> when I talked to the media about it. And instead, uh, now to Edmonton journal readers, am a Scrooge who only cares about people spending money in businesses. But that is exactly what we were trying to articulate is that we've got so much to see and do and so many great little businesses and yeah, this like great street level human scale experience. And a lot of Edmontonians don't come down and see that. And so we have an opportunity to show that off. I, I, we, we won't make you talk about the tree thing too much longer, but just a couple quick follow ups on that. So I'm not mistaken. Rice Howard Way is only about a block away from Churchill Square. Something like that. <laughs> is there really that much difference in the shopping that's going to happen in the, the places that people are going to go who come downtown, do you think? Absolutely. And why, why? Well, especially on a cold day, we found, so we tried this last year. So we featured a handful of businesses on Rice Howard Way and in, on the surround, like similar distance away from Churchill Square. And the traffic was a trickle at best. In the winter, we just, for whatever reason, maybe it's an Edmontonian thing, but when you have an event on one site and it's a site mm -hmm. like Churchill Square that is an event site, 
getting people out of the venue to go and do other things and check out other things, it just does not happen. And like Troy, like I, I for years lived near 124th Street, always went to, to the Always Bright Festival. And it is a totally different experience because you're literally there and the businesses are a part of it. And that's the other important thing. So the way we're doing it on Rice Howard Way, we have all of our activations, but all the businesses are doing stuff too. Like Sherlock Holmes is going to have music on their patio. Kraft has drink specials. Dalla is doing uh, an Italian Christmas market in the restaurant, which again, they did last year. But it was so hard to pull people over there from the square because it's cold and, and, you know, people load their kids up in the car or go into a thing and then they load them back up and they leave. So for residents and people like yourself, Mac, it's probably not that big of a difference. But Mm -hmm. um, for the average attendee, we really think it's going to make a big difference. You must have done some like metrics and planning for this, I assume. What's your expected turnout for an event like this. Mac had mentioned, you know, Rice Howard Way is only like a block and a half square type thing. Is there a concern that there won't be enough space at that venue for the crowds that you might want to attract? So the funny thing is that we did not have that concern until this week. (laughs) (laughs) There's no such thing as bad press, right? You think a lot of people are going to come now? I really think so. Like the sheer, like for all of the, you know, really upset people and, and like, you know, some of that stuff, like uh, we've also had this overwhelming outpouring of people who are so excited you know, they say they've never really felt drawn to the the former version, but they're really excited to check this one out. I think people also just kind of want to support downtown and support what we're doing and feel bad for us right now. <laughs> um, so honestly, the conversation we're having today is like, oh man, what is our new like target for attendees? I don't even know. So we've got a few different sites. Like there's things, so ironically enough, Ticks on the Square has some things happening. So we'll have a full event map and there'll be lots of different sites highlighted so if it is a really really high volume in our main event site there's a lots of different places that uh, hopefully people will walk to and including inside the mall and over to manulife place and and some of the businesses surrounding there on a personal note if you see success here i think there is a best case scenario years down the line where it occurs on rice howard way and the road adjoining churchill square and rice howard way is closed and the event spills out onto the square and is also activated Oh, if you're listening city, just get on it. Do that. (laughs) (laughs) How upset are both of you respectively about the tree not being there? I came into the podcast and I told Mac, I'm 100% on board with this change. Mac disagreed. um, And and I don't really care about the tree, right? For me, you know, the tree is, it's like you, Pinita, like I've always enjoyed it. It's been a fun tradition. Brought my kid there. Sharon and I have always walked over from our house on, you know, 104 to go see the lighting up of the tree. And, you know, I remember I've been to my fair share of holiday light ups over the years. I remember fireworks. I remember stilt walkers. I remember Santa and the mayor and a big lever. And, you know, but the thing that's always been consistent is the tree. But, you know, at the end of the day, whatever, there's other trees downtown, as you quite rightly point out. I think for a lot of Edmontonians, though, like the holidays are kind of about tradition. And seeing that tree at Churchill Square, even just seeing it on television in Churchill Square was a bit of a holiday tradition. So I think that's a challenging thing to deal with. Like, you're right, people are probably going to be upset no matter what, because this time of year, people get really passionate about their tra- their traditions and about, you know, the Christmas season and, and all of that. You know, I'm excited about the Rice Hard Way space. I think that'll be fun. We did wander over from the square to Dala last year and 
I think my daughter made a craft while we were inside there, but that's, you know, like you said, we're residents and we walk by there all the time. So we're going to do that. I hope more people get that opportunity. My main disagreement is with Troy, but like, I do think this was bungled. I think you could have seen a mile away that people were going to be upset about the tree. And I think it's unfortunate that, you know, people were dumping on the media here as well, because I think they were asking the question that the vast majority of Edmontonians have upon hearing this news, which is, what happened to the tree? Because it wasn't in the announcement. And you've explained to us helpfully why that was. And I think that's really important context, but could have seen that coming. And then the other thing I'll just say about this is we hear all the time in the news about the importance of downtown. Downtown is Edmonton's living room. As goes your downtown, so goes your city. We need people to return to downtown to help with the recovery. On and on we hear this. And then we hear that the tree, which is for the people, is now gone. And I think many people look at that and say, well, that kind of stinks. Like, do all this stuff for downtown. We all hear about how important it is. And the one thing they give us every Christmas, they now take away. And I know it's not quite that simple, but, you know, maybe maybe you regret your interview with Post Media, Punita. But, you know, to say that, you know, people just come to the to the square and then don't shop and this is why we're not doing it is kind of like, well... Is that the only reason we do the tree? And for most Edmontonians, I don't know that there's a good distinction between the DBA and the city of Edmonton. And that's just the reality of it. People don't understand those divisions and those distinctions. And so on a podcast like this, it's a little bit insider baseball. We can get into it and and figure out who did what and who could have done better. But I think the average Edmontonian looks at that and says, the people who are in charge, who tell us that downtown is important, don't actually want me to come downtown because they don't care about this thing that's been a tradition for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I don't disagree with anything you said. The distinction between the DBA and the city, though, is probably the most frustrating thing for us in this, because as I later pointed out, and again, wish I had done this while doing media, it's wild that we as the Downtown Business Association have been doing that tree for 20 20- mm plus years like no other city does that in any other major city you've got your big civic square whatever that is vancouver's is the art gallery plaza toronto has one i can't remember what it's called winnipeg does theirs outside of city hall halifax like all these cities who i know what the process looks like it's the city's tree and the other thing which is probably maybe one of my most controversial opinions about this the tree that we've been doing is not that great (laughs) it's really skinny right like it doesn't look like a healthy tree it looks really is that what you mean like because we're using a real tree and no one else is using a real tree anymore so you look at the holiday photos of all these other cities and they're these perfect gorgeous giant full you know beautiful trees and ours yes because it's this wonderful donation that we've had from miller western all these years but like it's always kind of missing some branches like it looks great from afar at night but up close on the square, we have to put up this like silver fence around it, which doesn't look that great. It's like Troy said, like you look up at it. But yeah, if it's not nighttime, it doesn't really look like much. So I can't lie. That that's part of it. It requires a bigger investment to do it right. Yeah. And I knew we weren't doing it that well. So my hope is, and I, uh, I don't know. Maybe someone at the city will hear this and get mad at me for it. But I think maybe the city should spend the money that needs to be spent to buy a proper artificial but real looking beautiful tree like all the other major cities have that truly is a great experience whether you're standing right next to it whether it's daytime whether it's nighttime and that actually does the holiday tree in Churchill Square justice or if not the city you know other people who are interested in adding to the uh, the Christmas spirit Christmas vibes throughout the city maybe another organization wants to uh, make that investment could happen totally 
Totally. You know, and I think I'm just going to put in a last note because I'm using my hosting powers to win the argument uh, by uh, shoving <laughs> my opinion down. You had mentioned, Mac, that, you know, the tree is a tradition and people are really excited for that tradition. But like the difference between the DBA and the city is a really important distinction right there because it's not the DBA's problem what people in the south corner of the city love about their Christmas tradition that they drive into. It's the city's responsibility to know that this is really important to residents in the city. And the fact that the city plainly bungled that for something that is quite critically an issue and decided not only not to do it, but to not talk about it. Yeah, we're taking pot shots and some shots need to be delivered. But the DBA, I think, is the wrong punching bag here. Sometimes city administration needs to step up and take ownership of what they're doing. I think this is a great example of that. This either matters or it doesn't. And I think if you judge by this outcry, this seems to matter a lot to people. And the fact that City admin didn't have their finger on that pulse is kind of an indictment on their Christmas spirit. I mean, I guess we could say we wish the DBA and the city were more aligned on on how that was going to roll out and that would have helped, right? Because at the moment, it just feels like unnecessary finger pointing, right? So, Bonita, we've both talked, um, but given that you have been, uh, you know, punished by the media for the past couple of days, we'll give you the last word on this podcast. Do you have anything else you want to say about the event or closing words? Or, you know, if you want to drop the mic and throw a bomb, we won't fight back at this point. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate In one of those weeks. It's been one of those weeks. We're excited about our event. We do think a whole lot of people are going to come down and see it. Uh, we hope your listeners do too. And I appreciate actually getting to talk this out and uh, give the full story instead of, as you said, finger pointing and a lot of confusion in the media. So tree's not happening, but Santa has delivered us a gift that I never thought the city of Edmonton would ever see in my lifetime. And that's Smart Fare <laughs> is now really real on Edmonton Transit. Art Cards, the new electronic transit payment system, is going to be taking true full rollout effect on Monday, uh, November 21st. But they're already throwing around art cards like candy. Oh, this is the it's happening gift that happens all the time in the internet. Edmonton Transit, along with regional transit partners, including Beaumont, Fort Saskatchewan, Leduc, St. Albert, Spruce Grove, and Strathcona County, all welcoming our card riders. Carrie Houghton McDonald came on the show before. We had lots of questions about SmartFare. Why isn't it happening? When is it going to happen? She promised us it was going to happen. It's happening. I tried to get my card dry from the machine in Churchill Station and uh, nothing happened. So <laughs> you press the button and nothing happened. I'm sure they're working out the kinks. But they said actually they're going to have people, outreach teams, handing out complimentary art cards starting on Monday, November 21st. Yes, and of course, I think they also said that you can go to artcard.ca or whatever domain that it's on. MyArc.ca, yeah. MyArc.ca, and you can order an art card there as well. I found it really interesting in all of the promotion materials for art card. They were portraying this asset of art cards where unlike a bus pass, you don't have to prepay in advance because right. you don't have to buy the entire bus pass up front. But it's a reloadable card, Mac. You you have to prepay in advance. That's that's how it works. You put as little as $4, I think it said though, right? Yes, and you can set up auto reloading. And of course, these are some of the features we talked about, but you know, there's fair capping. So once you reach, I believe it's $100 for an adult uh, that you've paid in transit fares for the month, you ride for free. It is the better version of fares. I think you and I could both discuss in another episode, is 
smart fare or is no fare really the best way to do this? But I think we both know fare free transit is not on the table. Let's at least get some art cards. That's right. That's not going to happen. This is something we should have had a long time ago, but uh, glad that we finally have it now. And so now, you know, there's some other questions we can turn to, like, will this uh, impact ridership? Do more people ride now? You know, what does this do for uh, the costs and things for the, the transit services? And how does it fit into the metro region transit service, which is all things that are going to come out, I'm sure, in the next year? People don't talk about, I think, in my opinion, the most important benefit of art cards, which is not fare capping, which is not reloadability. Those, those are all important. It's data collection. Mm. Right now, we don't know how many people ride the bus. We don't know where they ride the bus, and we don't know what the popular routes are other than some drivers pressing a clicker. It's at best estimates what we have. At the end of this art card rollout, we are going to have data on every single person where they enter the transit system and where they leave the transit system. That's going to make route planning easier. That's going to make transfer planning easier. And it's going to make timing points, uh, the city more able to put timing points in the correct spot so no one misses that bus that they need to get on. This is going to be a huge boon for transit reliability as long as we implement it properly. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, that is very exciting. And just to just quick follow up on one thing you said, I'm sure they would say we have data on all of the arc cards rather than the people from a privacy point of view because you don't have to register this right you can just use your card and reload it in a machine and never give them your personal details as far as i know yeah in fact you can buy even disposable arc cards with cash at the uh machines so there's no there's no need to connect it to you personally of course the question that was asked is when are you going to roll out credit card payments where mm. i can just tap my phone the city says this is going to be rolling out after it's rolled out to the remainder of these because this is just the general adult population, seniors and other discounted fare groups like youth and low income transit and DATS users. They're still paying with other fare media. They are not our card users quite yet. Once it rolls out to everyone, then the city says they'll investigate credit cards, which are going to be tied to you, Mac. That's that's an inevitability. That's how credit cards work. Yep. You know, until this year, I would have said that Heritage Festival was inextricably tied to Horlack Park. But um, starting in 2023, that will no longer be true. Heritage Festival will find its home in the Exhibition Lands and Borden Park. In 2023, 24, and 25, they'll be over there in Borden Park. They plan to return in 2026. This is assuming, of course, that this extensive rehabilitation project at Horlack Park happens on schedule and is all completed and, and everything. Uh, this is a big uncertainty for the Heritage Festival and for all of us who enjoy going to the festival that is now uh, sorted. So it's unfortunate, I think, that their 50th anniversary <laughs> is going to be in a temporary location and not you know, in Horlack Park. But at least that means the event can still go on. You know, I love Borden Park and uh, the exhibition lands exists in parking lots but if i'm <laughs> heritage festival this is a little bit of a downgrade uh horlack park is arguably the perfect venue for a festival like this it's got the paths it's got these big open areas where pavilions can operate surface asphalt parking lots in front of a big glass building between two huge roadways i don't know it has the same appeal the city has signed an agreement a memorandum of understanding with the, the festival association to cover incremental costs um, and to improve site access. And it also includes a guarantee that they can return back to Horlack Park 
once it reopens. So, you know, it's got to be pretty tricky. You've done that event in Horlock Park for so long. You know how it works. You know, things uh, don't need to be figured out. Now they're going to have to go figure out everything again. There's going to be some increased costs to make that happen. Uh, so I think it's great that the city has agreed to cover those those expenses because, they're the ones that are saying we need to close this park for three years, which still, Troy, just baffles me. But here we are. Of course, Heritage Festival isn't the only thing with expenses. Uh, business owners and their employees have expenses, health expenses. And Alberta Blue Cross can help you with that. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings and hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. I'm Panita. And we are Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Thank you again for coming to talk to us about the tree. I'm sure you just feel like it's the only thing you've been talking about, but I promise it'll end soon. It'll end soon. Mac the Grinch on his perspective of Christmas. (laughs) 